Praise God. Amen. Amen. I want I want to continue. This will be part three in this series, Messy. Amen. Uh, so if you have your uh, Bible, Psalm, I want to go to Psalm 51. Psalm 51, and, and um, I want to read three verses. Amen. Psalm 51, um, Messy, when purpose hides in chaos. Amen. When purpose hides in chaos. Our lives been a mess for a long time, but it ain't over for you. You got to remember that in that mess, God has a purpose. Amen. Last week, I talked about blessed in the mess. Week before that, I talked about boundaries. If you go past your boundaries, you're going to end up in a mess. So stay in your boundaries and you're going to be blessed. Amen. So Psalm 51 verse 10 says, David says, create in me (laughs) a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit, from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then, tell your neighbor, then. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners will be converted to you. I want to talk about this morning turning your mess into a message. Turning your mess into a message. Touch your neighbor and say, we're going to do this today. We're going to do this today. We're going to do this today. Man, turning your mess into a message. Amen. Many blessings have come into our lives um, that we possibly um, don't even recognize. Sometimes you're looking at your situation in your life and you think it's so bad. Um, This mess that I'm in, how did I end up here? How did it get so bad? What good can come out of this? I don't know about you, but I've been there. It's hard sometimes to see the big picture. It really is. Because sometimes we lose vision and we lose sight of what God is really doing in our lives. If you walk in the natural all the time, you and I will never recognize the supernatural. Oftentimes we're seeing life from the position where God 
found us. I wish I had somebody. We're so focused on the messiness in our lives that we forget how far we've come. Do I have anybody? The enemy can cause us to see our lives from a hopeless point of view. Amen. We can be deceived. Some people feel sorry for themselves. Some people withdraw themselves and some recognize, amen, and some never recognize or recover from the mess. Or they become permanently disabled by the mess. I listen to people's problems all week long, from counseling to pastoring. And I found out that a lot of people have a hard time seeing what God is doing in their lives. In our passage today, David had made a mess of his life. Psalm 51, it's a series of five different psalms that David wrote about his mess. He took his mess and he turned it into a message. He wrote these psalms for us to let us know that we all are weak in some area of our lives. That we all fall at some point in the journey. But that even with falling, God can take that mess and turn it around for our good. Paul understood this principle when he wrote Romans 8. Romans 8, 28 says, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. In other words, God can take the good, the bad, the in-between, the whatever it is, and he can turn it around for your good. He can turn it around and make it into your life's message. Can I ask you a question this morning? What is your life's message? And if you're not sure of that message... Amen. I need you to take a look at your life. Look at what God has already done. Look at how far he has brought you. David made a mess of his life. Can you imagine he was on the run for a long time? He was anointed king and not appointed king. But for most of his teenage, young adult life, he was on the run from Saul. He was a man who was loyal. He understood what it was like to be the underdog. But from the moment that the tables turned, he fell just like everybody else. 
It's amazing how we can be in a mess for a long time. And after we get our deliverance, we act like the people we say we want. It's amazing to me how you and I say never. But from the moment you're given that opportunity, you fall right into that never. Do I have somebody? It's amazing because to me, the devil will always present an opportunity for us to mess up. Come on, somebody. David, who fought so hard to get to where he was, got comfortable. I'm talking to somebody. Do you know what it took for God to bring you this far? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. You were out of your mind. You were heading in a direction and God stepped in right on time. And now we have the audacity to make a mess of our lives. God caught you right on time. Just when you were about to give up. Just when you were about to throw in the towel. God stepped in and turned that thing around. Amen. And worked it out for your good. David is in the palace. I'm trying to get to this. And here he is, rather than going to war, he got comfortable. Rather than going to war, he's in, he's at home in the palace. And then Satan presents an opportunity. He sins with Bathsheba, takes another man's wife, commits murder, and then marries her. Tell me this ain't no soap opera stuff. Tell me this ain't no mess. Tell your neighbor that's a mess. Amen. Now, the guy that he killed was his right hand. Amen. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. I tell men this all the time. When you ain't, when you're supposed to be at work and you somewhere else, you're going to get yourself in some trouble. Amen. And when you ain't where you're supposed to be, amen. The devil will always present an opportunity for temptation. But if you would have went to work, Amen. If you would have did what you were supposed to do, then guess what would have happened? Amen. You would have avoided, you would have avoided that mess. Many of us have made a mess of our lives. Amen. And then after we make a mess of our lives, we want to get angry with the people that we made a mess with. Help me somebody. Tell you neighbor, I don't see no message in that. But there's a message in that. Stop hanging around the wrong people. There's a message right there. David sinned. And, 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 and here's the interesting part of it about this passage. He had not confessed this sin for one year. So for one year, he avoided God. Lord have mercy. How long you been avoiding it? How long you been dancing around the issue? How long you been looking the other way? How long you been not really looking at yourself? David had lived with this on him for ten, for one year. Watch this. And then God, see, here's the thing I what I love about being a believer. God is not going to leave you in your mess. Now, you may want to stay in it because it feels good and you're getting attention. 
Some of us stay in our mess because we get attention. But you attract the wrong crowd. And you get the wrong kind of attention. Lord have mercy. I just talked to somebody. I just, I just said something right there. You might as well say amen. amen. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this now. Nathan comes to him. His counterpart. Nathan the prophet came to him and said, listen, man. Say, bro. Let me give you a scenario. First of all, you can't address the king just any kind of way, okay? So you got to be real careful how you, you know, how you come to the king. So, so God loved David enough to confront him. God loved him enough to confront him. And sometimes we're confronted with our mess by somebody that loves you, but you think they're the enemy. You think that they are the enemy, but God sent them as a messenger to you to say, bro, get your stuff together. Oops. Get your stuff together. Get your stuff together. You've been faking and faking and playing and doing all kinds of stuff. Get your stuff together. Don't get mad at the messenger. Deal with the messenger, with the one, with the one who sent the message. Amen. Don't get mad at the man of God because he's telling you what thus says the Lord. Do I have a witness? A to the men. Pastor wrong for that. He, he, you know. No, no, I'm right for that because God sent me. Amen. So David, Nathan gave him this scenario, right? And he's like, oh man. Then David recognized. He said, what if a man took advantage of you? He said, he said, you're that man. He's like, whoa, hold on a minute. He recognized it. Can I say this? People who live in sin are very unhappy, dissatisfied, depressed, and they make everyone else unhappy. So for one year, can you imagine him being king? Can you imagine him being your leader? <laughs> He'd make your life miserable. Because you heard the saying, misery. And when I found out about David, he was avoiding all the people who represented truth. Who would tell, listen, he's walking around with this new girl. And everybody looking like, oh, now you know he wrong for that, right? Now this, this group over here, <laughs> you know he wrong for that, right? But nobody in that group, you got to be careful who you hang with. Because some people that the people you're hanging with, if they're not telling you the truth, then they're lying to you. And you, we need people in our lives who will represent truth and tell us, bro, you're wrong. Amen. David. He recognized after, after Nathan, you know, confronted him, he recognized, he repented, and he realized, man, you know what? I, I'm sin. I've sinned. I'm sorry. I, and so he pens Psalm 51. Look at verse 1. He says, be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. Amen. He says, according to the greatness of your compassion. You know what David recognized at that point? How compassionate God is. Can I say to somebody here that God's been good to you? Listen, you done did it, did some stuff. Okay? Uh, for real. 
But God has shown you compassion. He has shown you his love. Look what he says. He says, blot out my what? Wash me what? Thoroughly from my what? Now, up until that, up until that point, David felt dirty. He felt unclean. But he couldn't do anything about it. Because he did not know, amen, that that condition that he was in, amen, that it was not where God wanted him, amen, but he remained in that condition because he didn't have somebody to say, bro, you living in a mess. Do I have somebody? And I want to tell you something. You need somebody in your life. You need somebody who's going to tell you the truth. You need somebody who can point out some things to you and say, you know what? Hey, you know what? You may go in the wrong, you may be going in the wrong direction or, you know, but whenever you feel like you can't be taught, oh Lord, whenever you feel like you can't be counseled, whenever you feel like you can't get help, tell your neighbor you're in trouble. David writes, he says, wash me, Lord. He said, put me in permanent press. Amen. That's what he said. Don't put me on quick wash. Put me on permanent press. Because I need a permanent cleansing. He said, that's why he said thoroughly. Some of you want to go in and get it real quick and run out. He said, now don't put me in that cycle. Put me in the permanent press cycle so that way, amen, when I leave your presence, I know I'm better. Do I have somebody? He says, for I know my what? Tell you never, you ain't got to point it out. I already know, but I got to confess it. (laughs) Amen. He says, I know I've sinned, but I've sinned against you. Watch this. We're going to go on down to verse 10. He goes on and he says all this. Amen. Your message is important. It's so important that the devil is trying to deceive you to deny you an opportunity to tell your story. Do you not know that? Do you not know that if you're, if the devil can keep you like everybody else without a message and without a story, then he has done his job. But when you can testify, you know what? I was broken. Amen. I, 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 I fell. Amen. I lied. I got involved in some things that I should not have gotten involved in. And now I'm living victoriously. I'm no longer on that side of the fence. Amen. I'm no longer living a life that's not pleasing to God. Don't you be ashamed of where you was. That's the problem with most of us. We come to church now. We want to act all sanctimonious and, and, and holy like we've been, like we been like this all our, you were a liar. I know you lied. Amen. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Some of you used to pick locks. Some of you used to borrow people's social security number. Some of us got cars in people's name. They weren't even your name. Just, you know, because I know you, you know, you white collar crime. You know, we ain't, we, you know, we, you know, we try, you know, you know, we didn't do break in and entering and stuff like that. You know, we did a little small stuff. Y'all ain't trying to hit me. 
Tell your neighbor a mess. Tell your neighbor it was a mess. It was a mess. Amen. How in the world? Anyway, let me leave that alone. <laughs> let me leave that alone. Let's, let's go on to verse 10. Sister Hunky, tell me, say, you don't want to know what I just thought about. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Some of y'all were selling y'all food stamps. Come on, man. Use my card. Give me 50, you spend 100. Clock into work and you didn't even go to work. Come on, somebody. Amen. Come on now. Amen. Look, look, look. You went out there and did all this stuff and say, was it wasn't me. Then you come to church, you're the first one to raise your hand. <laughs> Pretending like you ain't no mess. Ooh, praise the Lord. Woo. Let me pray for you, child. Ooh, Lord. Oh, I feel the spirit now on me. Can I tell you something? You really can't have no power till you deal with that mess. And I'm not saying go out and fix it. I'm saying confess it. I remember being broken, y'all. And broke. Bad credit and all. I said, Lord, I, I, I hate having bad credit, Lord. Amen. I said, Lord, I hate having bad credit. And do you not know God fixed it? Come on, man. I hate it. Listen, I hated having bad credit. Couldn't get what I want. Couldn't go where I want to go. You know what I'm saying? And so, so God helped me, amen, when I confessed my mess. Watch this. Watch this. So David now gets to the point where he has acknowledged his sin, but now he gets to the point. I got five minutes. David gets to the point now where he says in verse 10, the, 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 the transition in the text changes. Verse 10, he says, creating me what? So, so my question is, how does God turn our mess into a message? I, I believe it starts with God. So let's look at it. He says, create in me. That word create is the same word you have in Genesis 1, where he says, Bereshit b'shahitha tamai. Bereshit, bara. And the word bara means create. So when God says in the beginning, God created, he's saying the same thing. David is saying at this time in his life, man, I need a new heart. Because if my heart is not new or re, not new, not renew, but recreated. Listen, a lot of us are living our Christian life with the old heart. That's the reason why we can't really experience change. So if you're going to turn your mess into a message, the first thing you got to do is this. God, well, first of all, God has to reshape. Reshape. That word barach, it means to refashion. To fashion, to create something again. Amen. It, it means a new condition, 
and circumstances. In other words, David was confronted with his sin and he cried out to God who could fix his real problem. You know what David's real problem was? His heart. Many of us want to change behavior, but we don't want to change our hearts. And in order for you to turn that, see, see, what, what, I, I'm going to say this to you. We can't harbor sin and the effects of sin in our hearts and try to share a message about our lives. Some of us are writing a fictional story. A fictional story. We're telling people what we think we know. But our hearts have not been really reshaped. We need God to reshape this heart. Because we were born, tell your neighbor, we were born this way. And if you're harboring the residue of your past, it's hard to be freed to minister to someone in their mess. Come on and help me somebody. You may have lip service, but you're really living the message. You're not living the message that you're really preaching. Do I have somebody? He says, Lord created me what? Ah, uh, uh, created me. Hey, what kind of heart? Can you imagine David danced and he prays for a whole year? With what kind of heart? <laughs> Unclean heart. Oh, sister Hunter, a dirty heart. Third ward, dirty heart. <laughs> now, <laughs> baby, you said that kind of harsh. <laughs> dirty heart. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, kill him, whoa, relax. Tell your neighbor you need a reshaped heart. Tell your neighbor God has to reshape your heart. Look what he says next. He says, not only just created me a clean heart, but look at the next part of the verse. He says, and renew what? Re renew a what? A steadfast. Whoa. The word for renew carries the idea of renovation or reconstruction. So God says you, you need a reshaped heart. Second thing you need from God. Notice David is going to God for what he need. See, a lot of us go into the internet for our message. We're borrowing messages from people. But we need God to reshape our heart. But we need God to restore. Listen, can I say this? If God had to restore right spirit in David, then that meant he had a bad spirit. And can I tell you something? A lot of us in our mess because of our bad spirit. Our spirit is just mean. Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. Keep laughing. We were laughing earlier. We were hoo-hooing. Come on, what's, what happened? Listen to this. Watch this. Here's what's interesting about this. Shall I save this for now or later? Here's why David said, renew a steadfast spirit in me. Restore a right spirit in me. Because when he was ministering to Saul, he saw the evil spirit upon him. 
And he knew what that looked like. Saul had the kind of spirit one day, he'd be laughing with you. And next day he'd be throwing stuff at you. Blame it on the... uh, uh, (coughs) Watch this. Y'all ain't trying. Y'all miss that. Don't, don't miss that. Don't miss. Don't don't miss that. Don't miss that. Y'all know the story of Saul. David was hired to play the harp, right? And he, because Saul had a demonic spirit on him. Oh boy, I would have went there, but I ain't going there. Watch this. And, and whenever he played the harp, right, he would soothe his spirit, make it feel good. He didn't have a permanent fix. He had a temporary fix. Because from the time he stopped playing, then he started throwing stuff at David. The one who was helping him was the one that he was mistreating. I wish I had somebody. So David understood within himself, Lord, I need you to change this heart. This heart I got right now ain't good. But my spirit ain't right. And when your spirit is not right, saints, you have a message, but maybe you have a bad spirit. And it's preventing people from recognizing and receiving from you. Wish I had somebody. See, you want a permanent fix, and only God can give it to you. Tell your neighbor, I want a permanent change. Can I tell you something? This was an inward change that David, this is the prayer that David was praying for. Tell somebody, I got to stop praying for inward change. I know how to act right outside. I know how to be quiet when I need to be quiet. But I really need a change. Hey, come on, help me somebody. On the inside. I need to talk to people right. I need to treat people right. I need to know that when you and I are by ourselves behind closed doors, I ain't a fool. I could act, y'all ain't, where y'all at? Listen, I can act right good in public, but who are you when no one's looking? What kind of spirit do you got? Let me ask you, what kind of spirit do you got? Tell your neighbor, that's a bad message. Matter of fact, that's a distorted message. Matter of fact, you're giving mixed signals to people. Because when I'm sitting in church with you and I look over, I think about how you spoke to me. I think about what you said to me before we got here. And tell your neighbor, that's not a good message. Amen. Y'all ain't with me. Let's go to verse, let's go to verse 11. He says, and do not what? See, David was afraid. Now listen. See, when you're not, when you're living in sin, you don't care if you're in the presence of God. You could care less. That's why you care less. <laughs> That's why, you know, I, I, church. Do you not know when you come in God's presence? Now, why would you have a problem coming in God's presence? I'm just saying. Watch what he says. David was afraid. I don't know if you're afraid. I'm afraid, y'all, to be put out. Look what he says next. He says, do not cast me away from your what? Presence. So not only do I need God, what we need, what we say for We need God to restore a right spirit in us. But the next thing is that we need, we need God to reshape our hearts. We need God to restore a right spirit in us. We need God to what? God has to what? Somebody needs a reconnection. 
somebody needs a reconnection. You've been unplugged for a while. Matter of fact, you're operating on batteries. And guess what's happening to your batteries? They're not rechargeable. And, and watch this. You got a message, but ain't nobody hearing you. You're still in your mess. And you're wondering why. Why does my life look like this? Why am I so broken? Why am I so upset all the time? Why don't I have the right spirit? Why does my heart feel like this? Because you have been disconnected from the presence of God. He says, don't cast me away from your spirit. You see, when we're in our mess, the last place that we have a desire for is his presence. Because we understand that when we come in his presence, he will find us out. Amen. But here's the thing about coming in God's presence. He's not trying to find you out so he puts you on blast. He's trying to find you out. Mm, you better be quiet. <laughs> you right on point. So that you can get it what? Right. How many times have we come to church, heard a message, and we left the same? Amen. God wants to reconnect us to his what? Tell your neighbor his presence. Can you imagine David been out of fellowship for one year? He left the church. He was dancing at home. But he wasn't dancing to worship music. He had his concubines. He had Bathsheba. Y'all ain't trying to hear me. He was living for the world now. Amen. Watch this. Watch the next part of the verse. He says now, he says, look what he says. He says now, renew a what? Steadfast spirit within me. Right? Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take what? Who? Who? Now, remember this. In those times, the Holy Spirit was only upon people temporarily. But here's, can you imagine? I want you to just for a moment transport yourself to the palace for a minute. David sinned with Bathsheba and he's clueless about all of this after he sins. He forgets all about this, about God, and he's only thinking about himself. He wasn't worried about not being in God's presence. He wasn't worried about not having the Holy Spirit. But can I tell you something? Here's another recall that David had. When you come to grips with your wrong, you will realize something. That you're going to lose some important things. And what he did is he remind, God reminded him of what happened to Saul. First, he soothed him with the heart. But when Saul disobeyed God, God took his spirit off of Saul and put it on David. And at that moment, David looked like, oh my gosh, the same thing is about to happen to me. Give me the next point. Give me the next point. God has to remind us. Who's in us? Lord, remind me that I have the Holy Spirit. Remind me, God, when I go to do something I ain't supposed to do. Because that's, that's, watch this. 
That's why God has given us the Holy Spirit. So he can guide us into truth. So that we can understand truth. Watch this. Watch this. Watch what he says. He says, please, Lord, don't take, don't take your spirit from me. Please, 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 please. Can I tell you something? Without the Holy Spirit, you have nothing. Without the Holy Spirit, Saul disobeyed God. Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter denied Jesus. The rest of the disciples, they abandoned Jesus. I'm going to say it one more time. Without the Holy Spirit, Saul disobeyed God. Judas betrayed Jesus. Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter denied Jesus. The rest of the disciples, they went fishing. Amen. So without the Holy Spirit, amen, we are vulnerable, amen, to a lot of things that we are not supposed to get involved in. So what you got to do every day is say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. But please don't take your spirit from me. Now, in this dispensation, you can't lose the Holy Spirit, but you can lose the filling of the Spirit. And when you get low in the Spirit, you start thinking everybody else is wrong but you. Come on, help me, somebody. Amen. Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. He says, then he says, after you've done all that for me, Lord, tell your neighbor, I'm turning my mess into a message. But it starts with God. He says, restore what? To me. See, David's joy was coming from his pleasure. Not from the fact that he was saved. He says, give me back the joy of my salvation. How many remember when you got saved? How many remember the feeling? How many remember the feeling? How many remember how good it was, how sweet it was? Can I tell you something? You may not have joy now because you may have forgotten. But, but here's the next thing we need. Now, give me the next thing. Give me the next. We need God to do what? What do we need God to do? We need God to restore his joy to us. Lord, give me back this joy. Lord, how many need joy? Come on, come on. You need to ask. Lord, give me back. Lord, I need this joy. Now watch this. Watch this now. Watch this now. Where does joy come from? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> Where is the Holy Spirit? Inside of you. Watch this. But if you're filled with the Spirit, you begin to produce the fruit of the Spirit of joy. But not only joy, you start producing peace. You start producing patience. You start producing faithfulness. And so as the Spirit of God is working in you, you can love the unlovable. Come on, somebody. You can put up with some mess because you have the Spirit of God in us. And what we're doing is we're turning our mess into a message. And it's really our testimony. Do I have somebody? Listen, listen. When you're in your mess, you got to remember your salvation story. Amen. Can I tell you something? Pleasure won't do it. Prosperity won't do it. Places won't do it. Amen. The joy you had the moment you got saved will come flooding over your heart. The blood. You start remembering how far you were. I wish I had somebody. And then he says, then he says, sustain in me. Does somebody need this? 
Somebody need this. You know why you need this? Because you're stubborn. He said, give me joy, right? But what he says next, he says, and sustain. He see, because watch this. If you're not operating off of the joy of your salvation, then you're operating on temporary joy. And then now you become unwilling. It's like pulling teeth to get you to do something. So the next thing is what? Give me the next thing. Yeah, tell your neighbor, that's for me. God has to reconstruct. Tell your neighbor, I need a character change. Amen. Our message gets distorted when our character is not consistent with everything else in our lives. If you're not careful, you can be religious and really not change in character. Mm. You can sound the part and not be the part. You can look holy and not be holy. You can talk the talk in church, but when you get home, you cuss like a sailor. Amen. You ain't right. You treat people wrong. Some of the stuff that come out your mouth, and then you want to talk about praise the Lord. Let me pray for you. I love David for his transparency. Lastly, he says, after you do all that, Lord, tell your neighbor, you got to get ready to tell your message. Look at verse 13 for me. Verse 13, it says, then, tell your neighbor, then. Tell your neighbor, you can't do it too fast. I know you're happy to get out there and tell everybody stuff. Tell your neighbor, you got to get trained. Tell your neighbor, you need character training. We want to run out and tell everybody what I know. The Bible said this. See, you got to do that. You, you need to be trained. Because he says, then, after my heart is clean, after I got joy, after the spirit is set right in me, then, put the point up there, then God will release us at the right time. I don't know if you know the real story behind Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the song that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fear revealed. How precious that grace appeared the hour I first believed. The beloved hymn is the, and its author, John Newton a former slave trader. Newton, who was born in 1725 in London to a Puritan mother who died two weeks before his seventh birthday. At the stern, at the stern, of, uh, as a stern sea captain father who took him at sea at a young age. After many voyages and reckless, recklessness of his youth of drinking, Newton was impressed, was impressed into the British Navy. After attempting to desert, he received eight dozen lashes and was reduced to a rank of common seaman. John Newton, who was known as the greatest, a great blasphemer, 
He sunk low in life to the point that he even became a servant to a slave in Africa for a period of time. His mother had prayed that he would become a minister and that he and and at his early age and taught him the scriptures. John Newton had rejected his mother's teaching that and he led other sailors into unbelief. Certainly he was beyond hope and beyond saving. Even if the scriptures were true, yet John Newton's thoughts began to turn to Christ. And in March 21st of 1748, Newton gave his life to Jesus. His mother's prayers had been answered. And at 39 years old, John Newton began a 43 year, began 43 years of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Newton lived to 82 years old and continued to preach and, and in an active ministry. When his health was failing him, he says, even, he says, even though my memory is nearly gone, and I, cannot re- I can only remember two things, that I am a great sinner and the Christ is a great Savior. We, like John Newton, Never saw the the message. You can write it. You can video it. You can record it. But we must recognize the amazing grace that God has shown us and how he turns our mess into a message. I give you all the, give God all the praise. I give God all the glory. And I thank God for David. Who shows us that we can take our mess and turn it into a message. Amen.